Welcome to the Carcino Show. As you might have recognized from the theme music to start out today's episode, it is the month of March, and with March comes madness. Now, usually we refer March Madness to the NCAA Men's Basketball Division I tournament, which of course is a big topic in today's episode. But not only that, but the NFL free agency slash trade market has been going crazy the last couple of days and throughout the rest of this month. A lot of big name faces going to be in uh, different places next season. We also have a couple tidbits from the MLB and around the tennis world in today's episode. So a lot of stuff to go over here in this little rundown episode uh, for today. Today is March 23rd. We're actually recording this at 11.21 p.m in the podcast studio here on the campus of Lubbock Christian University. Uh, I am your host, Nathan Carcino. I am joined by my younger brother who is back home in the Dallas area um, via the phone, Max uh, Carcino. Max, thank you for being here. Yeah, Nathan, thanks. I mean, it's a last minute thing as I, I think it always is. Um, you just kind of called me today and was like, do you think um, if we we're on the phone call you think we can still do a podcast and i was like sure so i mean here we are i guess so it's good to be here yep excited for today's episode it's gonna be pretty fun uh, i'm gonna do a quick rundown of we'll start with the nfl do a quick little rundown of just what has gone on and not only the just past couple of days but throughout this month in the uh, nfl free agency uh, season or you know market schedule whatever you want to call it um, most recently the most recent headliner is actually from today with the Kansas City Chiefs sending their uh, Pro Bowl wide receiver Tyreek Hill one of the most electrifying players in the NFL to the Miami Dolphins uh, for multiple draft picks um the and then the Dolphins will then restructure Tyreek Hill's contract. He signed a four-year, hundred twenty million dollar uh, extension with seventy-two point million guaranteed, uh, as he will now take his talents to South Beach. That trade includes a 2022 first-round pick and second-round pick, as well as the fourth-round pick for this year uh, from the Chiefs, or uh, excuse me, from the Dolphins, and then uh, the fourth and sixth-round picks in 2023. Uh, all of those will be sent to Kansas City, and that's just one less target that Patrick Mahomes now has in that electrifying offense uh, over in Kansas City. Uh, more news is Devontae Adams, another top-tier wide receiver in the NFL. He was traded from the Green Bay Packers to the Oakland Raiders to team up with his old quarterback, Derek Carr, in Oakland. Uh, they both played for the Bulldogs of Fresno State University. I'm pulling up the trade compensation here the Packers will get a first and second round draft pick from the Raiders in exchange for Devontae Adams and then the Raiders will restructure his contract to be five years worth 141.25 million dollars which would have made him the richest wide receiver in the NFL uh, that came one day prior to Tyreek Hill's contract with then which then makes Tyreek Hill the most the the wealthiest paid wide receiver in the NFL based on annual salary from uh, the contract a little more news on the quarterback side 
staying with the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers actually decided to not leave despite uh, there being many, many headlines, not only just in this time of free agency, but throughout this season and even leading into this past season, whether Aaron Rodgers would stay in Green Bay. He has made the decision to re-sign with the Packers, uh, although he won't have Devontae Adams with him anymore next season. Another quarterback news is the Seattle Seahawks trading Russell Wilson, their star quarterback who take the, who has taken them to a Super Bowl in his uh, tenure with the Seahawks. They trade him to the Denver Broncos uh, for uh, yeah, they trade him for quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, uh, a defensive lineman, and then two first round picks in twenty twenty or uh, two first round picks. One of them this year, which is the number nine overall pick, and then the twenty twenty three pick uh, for next year. This and then the pick the the trade also includes two second rounders and a fifth rounder uh, from. The Broncos. So all of that going now to Seattle as Russell Wilson will move to Denver. And then finally, a couple of the last quarterback to uh, switch teams is Devon or excuse me, uh, Deshaun Watson who was previously with the Houston Texans. He sat out throughout, uh, sat out this whole year as he's dealing with off the field uh, legal issues, but he is signed by the Cleveland Browns in a trade that uh, now kind of satisfies Baker Mayfield. He had just previously requested a trade from the Browns, and now uh, we haven't gotten any word yet of where Baker will end up for next year. But nonetheless, it looks like the starting quarterback for the Browns for this next season will be Deshaun Watson. Cleveland traded this year's first and fourth round picks, next year's first and third round picks, and then the year after that's first and fourth round picks, all uh, to Houston for the likes of Deshaun Watson. So Houston kind of gets rid of the issues with Watson uh, off the field that they dealt with throughout this year. Tried a little, try to kind of revamp and you know start a rebuilding mode, and then. Cleveland is able to get a guy at the helm to look to, you know, produce a lot more than Baker Mayfield had a year ago. Another quarterback that is uh, pretty used to producing in his career is Tom Brady. Uh, Just after the LA Rams won the Super Bowl this year, Tom Brady decided to hang it up for a career after 20 plus years in the NFL. Uh, Arguably one of the greatest to ever play not only football but just sports in general when you're talking about uh, success and winningness and leadership Tom Brady is one of the molds of the goat uh, you know label and so he decided to hang it up but then just two months after that announcement he decided that he's not done playing yet and he unretired and will re-sign with or you know rejoin the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for his 23rd season I think I don't even know it's longer than I've even been alive but Tom Brady will be playing football again next year who knows if this is his kind of last dance type thing a fairy wet or a fairy tale ending or send off uh, for this season but nonetheless uh, he's a, a force to be reckoned with he was you know he retired uh, when, when he did retire he was just coming off of one of the best years of his career statistically and even got some MVP consideration. So, you know, he's definitely hasn't lost a step yet. 
Uh, we'll see what next year looks like, but he will be on the field for at least one more year. So just a lot of NFL buzz going on last uh, throughout this month of March. So Max, what have what has kind of stood out to you, or what do you think of some of these deals? Yeah, I mean, first of all, like wow, that was a, a lot of information. There's a ton going on right now, so I'm still trying to like take it all in, trying to figure out who's going where, everything. Um, just yeah, there's a ton of money going around and picks, as we can tell. There wasn't a ton of trades this year that had to do with like different players going around for different players. There's more like you take this player and we'll take your picks and stuff. But um, a couple that really stood out to me were obviously the two probably biggest ones um, with Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. Um, they, I don't want to say they completely caught me off guard because I mean, anything can happen in free agency, but um, I honestly did not think Devontae Adams was going to leave. Um, just because, you know, we thought that him and Rodgers had this type of connection. You know, Rodgers obviously speaks really highly of Devontae as a player, and some of the success they've had as a duo is quite remarkable. Um, and then kind of the same thing with Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. I mean, they are a force to be reckoned with every year. Um, they kind of uh, – Kansas City had a little trio going with Hill, Kelsey, and Mahomes that was – unstoppable at one point so it's interesting that they're not really going to have that anymore um and then um going to miami they're both in a little seems like a little young franchise team we got going here so it's all gonna be interesting how everything plays out and then um going back to going to the quarterbacks i mean um i have no doubt that russ is going to go in there and just bring that leader veteran mentality into the Broncos and see what he can do to rebuild that program. Um, they haven't been as strong as they have been in the past. And then Rogers and Brady are just going to keep doing their thing and um, be great. Obviously we don't know how long they're going to stick around, um, but they're going to produce as always. So it's all going to be interesting and um, can't wait to see how it all plays out in the season. Yeah, I'm excited to see kind of what the Dolphins end up looking like because you pair Tyreek Hill, who is a top five wide receiver in the game, you pair him with a young Jalen Waddle, who's just coming off of his rookie year. He's got a lot of promising talent. They kind of play similar yeah. games, uh, just, you know, throw them on the outside or even throw them in the slot and then ju they'll just outrun guys uh, for to get open. And you see that with... Uh, the way Hill got the ball in Kansas City, he would just, you know, on them go routes. Mahomes led the league in, you know, passes in the air for 45 yards or longer. And that's, they were all to Tyreek Hill. So it's interesting to see how a young quarterback in Tua Tungavailoa can use this presence that he has on the outside now with Hill and, um, uh, Jalen Waddle, and then Miami has been active throughout this free agency, not just with Tyreek Hill, but they signed left tackle Teron Armstead, which was the best uh, offensive tackle on the market this year. They also picked up Connor Williams from the Dallas Cowboys. So the, uh, Miami making sure to make a point of emphasis on their offensive line, as it wasn't the best at, or it wasn't even you know top half of the league by far uh, last season. So protecting Tua was uh, a priority, and they got Armstead from there. And then they also picked up another wide receiver, Cedric Wilson from the Dallas Cowboys, and then added running backs Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. And then of course.
course, uh, franchise tagged tight end Mike Jacecki. So at least on the offensive side, it's almost a new look Dolphins team. Maybe if they can do a little more work on the defensive end, um, they can, you know, really improve their chances for next season. And then when you look at the Raiders, that uh, combination between uh, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams is going to be really interesting. I know going into the league or like early in his career, Devontae Adams said if he were to play with any quarterback, you know, he could pick his ticket. It would be Derek Carr. Or he would be at least be in the consideration just because of their chemistry that they built at Fresno State. And then uh, – I feel like Devontae is a really likable guy in the locker room and uh, easy to get along with on the field because even Aaron Rodgers said that he was probably one of the best teammates he's ever had, you know, on and off the field. And that's pretty, pretty high praise for a guy uh, who has had as much, as much success as Aaron Rodgers has had. And then, uh, you know, Tom Brady's going to do his thing. Deshaun Watson is pretty interesting as well because he is coming off of a whole year of distractions off the field and not getting any types of uh, action in game between the lines. So who knows if his rhythm will, you know, take a while to get going for next season if he is, you know, on the field next season. And then the Browns are kind of just uh, – a, a situation or a, an organization figuring it out you know they do have a lot of weapons they picked up Amari Cooper as well uh, in free agency wide receiver for the from the Cowboys and then uh you know they got Kareem Hunt in the backfield Nick Chubb they uh got Njoku as their tight end and then there were even rumors that they were considering bringing back OBJ uh, although he'll probably miss most of next season or if, if not all of it with the ACL he tore in the Super Bowl. But nonetheless, that would be a pretty interesting uh, transaction there. But a lot of a lot of buzz and a lot of uncertainty we'll see in the in the NFL. And there's still more to come. I mean, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo for San Francisco has always been in the trade buzz. Uh, and then, of course, Baker Mayfield had requested a trade prior to the Deshaun Watson deal. So now that Watson is in Cleveland, who knows where Mayfield will end up. Um, in Indianapolis, they also picked up Matt Ryan from the Falcons in a trade. So a lot of just a QB carousel throughout this free agency, but pretty cool to at least think about what the possibilities will be like. And especially in that AFC West, every all four teams made a move uh, throughout this uh, you know, free agency. We had the Broncos getting Russell Wilson. We had the LA Chargers trading for Khalil Mack. So one of the best edge rushers in the NFL and in the NFL's recent history, uh, joining the Chargers in L.A. And then you got Chiefs getting rid of Tyreek Hill and then the Raiders picking up Devontae Adams. So pretty new look AFC West there and a lot of big faces on the move as well. So it makes you kind of consider how tough the AFC is going to be getting out of. You know, you got uh, high-level quarterbacks still in that throughout that conference with you know, Justin Herbert coming up, and then you got Mahomes, now Russell Wilson, you got Derek Carr with more weapons now, and then Josh Allen, of course, and so, uh, oh, also Lamar Jackson, too, he's not too bad, so a lot of a lot of interesting stuff going on, but uh, kind of cool to think about for next season, but aside from the NFL, it is March, after all, and March is for March Madness, the college basketball tournament. Max, how do you think the tournament's been going so, so far? Well, I mean, uh, it's definitely been some madness, to say the least. Um, some 
predictable matchups or some predictable uh, results. Like um, a couple of teams have just stayed solid as we knew they would, but then also a couple of high seeds um, and low seeds that stand out a little bit. So, um, I mean, we got to start talking with a 15 seed, uh, St. Peter's being the Sweet 16, knocking off Kentucky, a two seed who happened to be in my final four in my bracket. So that's <laughs> a little unfortunate for me. Brutal. But, um, I mean, you love to see those type of stories. I should have known actually that, you know, a, some type of upset was going to happen. I didn't, I went with all kind of the higher picks in my bracket this year, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was good to see them get a win. Um, and then to win second round was even impressive as well. So excited to see what they do in the round 16 and then just continue to watch all the games and uh, just enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, it's a third time that a 15 seed has made the Sweet 16, and it's the second time in a row. We saw Oral Roberts make that last year behind Max Acemith, one of the you know the nation's leading scorer in the regular season. And now you got Doug. You got Doug Eater for the Peacocks of St. Peter's, you know, their storybook run. You know, I looked, I saw in an article, St. Peter's University's entire athletic budget for all sports is less than what John Calipari makes in one season salary. Oh my gosh. It's just ridiculous. Are you you surprised though? I mean, no, but I mean, it's like, you know, it's a below to mid-major program and then you got Kentucky it just shows you what can happen in March you know Uh, Mm -hmm. you know despite regardless of what you're going to the tournament with what runs what momentum uh, as long as you make it you make it and if you know you see those Cinderella teams who are just happy to be there actually contend and make a run uh, deep into the tournament you know we're halfway done into the Sweet 16 now uh, a couple other big names have dropped too. You know, number one seed Baylor, uh, they got beat by North Carolina. Uh, that was a, a one versus eight matchup. And then, uh, you know, we have St. Peter's. We got uh, Houston getting past Illinois, Michigan making it all the way to the Sweet 16. They defeated number three seed Tennessee. So some cool, cool upsets, of course. And then, uh, you know, it just makes for even exciting Sweet 16. So who do you have for the rest of the tournament as we keep going? Um, I, let's see here. Um, I know the three other teams in my Final Four are still in it. I have Gonzaga winning the whole thing eventually, and then I had them beating Kentucky in the semifinals, and then my other semifinal, I have Arizona beating Gonzaga. So, I mean, sorry, uh, Kansas. Okay. So, see how that goes. I know Arizona kind of dodged a bullet the other day, winning in overtime. Yeah, um, against TCU. Yeah, that was a crazy finish in that one. But um, I'm excited to see. I don't know. I mean, KU, I was kind of hesitant. I know they've kind of been pretty solid um, winning the Big 12 and everything, but you just never know <clears throat> Excuse me, when you know, a team can, can be beat, especially in March. So, um, no, don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm kind of riding, riding with the Zags too. I have them winning the whole thing and facing Arizona in the title game. Uh, but you know, Gonzaga is one of those teams that, you know, 
at least in the past five years, you know, they're one of the teams with the number one seed, or if not, you know, the number one overall seed like they have this year. And then they have a, they get bounced in a loss that they really shouldn't lose. And so they haven't done that this year yet. Uh, they haven't let down the old, uh, the Gonzaga faithful, but you know, they're one of the most popular picks every March and it hasn't really panned out that way in recent in recent history when it comes to putting the banner up which is the ultimate goal for every team here or at least a team like Gonzaga who's been top five throughout the entire regular season and they have all the talent in the world to do so Chet Holmgren uh, one of the best players in college basketball and then Drew Timmy also in that category he's up for player of the year we saw him in the handlebar mustache go crazy last year so uh He's doing the same thing this year, and you know Holmgren's going to be uh, a really interesting prospect in the NBA next season if he just, just if he you know continues to go one and done like he's projected to, and then potentially be the number one overall pick in the draft. So a lot of uh, talent on that Gonzaga team, and some some leadership as well. Guys who have been in the tournament before to pair with the young five stars that they have. So uh, I have them winning it all. Uh, in another bracket, I have Arizona winning it all. So, you know, it's kind of a win-win if those teams do reach the final uh, against one another. But uh, tomorrow is, you know, I'm in Lubbock, so it's it's a big talk of the town, of course. But number three seed, Texas Tech, will face, face off against number two seed, Duke University, uh, tomorrow at like 8.30. So the track team is driving down to San Marcos tomorrow for most like throughout most of the day and then I think we're going to get there at like 7 30 so it's going to be perfect timing to catch the Duke game uh in the hotel room tomorrow night who do you have in that one uh let's see I think I have like at this point I actually might have this matchup in my bracket so I can tell you right now, just off memory, I know I picked Duke because I have them going to the Elite Eight. This is one of the regions I think I picked almost perfectly, but I'm not sure. Um, which region is this? It's at the top of the... It's on. It's in Gonzaga's west region. Okay. The winner of this will play the winner of Gonzaga and the number four seed, Arkansas. Okay, so yes, I do have this matchup. Um, I have Duke winning and then losing in Gonzaga and rounds rounds it eight. That's terrible, man. Come on, gotta go for the Red Raiders, bro. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I'm I'm rooting for Tech though. If I was going to LCU next year, it probably would have been a different decision, but it's it's all good. It is. I think. Well, so Coach K is sitting at 99 tournament wins in his career. This wow. one, this one would make 100, and this is his but last he's hurrah. Gonna, he's either gonna get it or not. I know. So, who knows if the the who knows if his tenure ends with 99 tournament wins, or if he gets to the hundred mark tomorrow night, yeah. and then that if he doesn't, I mean, his career is over. You know, he's already got his replacement for next year, and then mm-hmm. they had that tough loss to. Uh, North Carolina North of all Carolina. teams, yeah, on on Cameron indoors in the stadium. His uh, last game. Yeah, his last game at home. That was 
you know, interesting to see. But Duke's also, I mean, one of those teams that it's kind of like the Yankees. Like, they have so much success, but it's one of the most hated programs and franchises in sure. the nation. So, Which, I mean, that's why they're hated, because they have so much success. Right, yeah. And then just kind of it plays in with the cockiness of their past players with, you know, Leitner and J.J. Redick and mm-hmm. Grayson Allen, guys like that. But, you know, th- to this year's team isn't bad at all. I, I actually like the Duke team uh, player-wise. You know, Paulo Bancaro is going to be uh, arguably – up there with Chet Holmgren as the top pick in the draft. Uh, you got their center, Mark Williams, is really aggressive, really uh, active on both ends of the floor. So they're a pretty fun team to watch. And, you know, I I do want to see them lose in the Sweet 16, but it would be kind of cool to still see them get some action uh, later on in the tournament. But I'm rooting for Tech just because of what – what, uh, they're coming off of last season, you know, losing Chris Beard. Uh, Mark Adams steps in, one of, you know, a Lubbock faithful who's put everything into this program. And it's really fun to watch his defense. He's a defensive mastermind for the Red Raiders. And the way that they switch their uh, zone and man defenses throughout the game was really cool to see in that last matchup. Uh, so going to be interesting how Duke adjusts to that. And then maybe if Coach K can – get win number 100 and continue his his route. I know in one of my brackets I actually have them winning it all just because of the storyline that it would build, you know, one of the most legendary coaches in college basketball history already has retired, wins the national championship his last game ever, you know. I, it's March, you got to have those story storylines, but that would make that would make for some documentary, I'll tell you that. Oh yeah, it would be a 30 for 30 next week probably. <laughs> But even if Tech makes it all the way, that could be a story in itself, too. Having, you know, they would definitely show the clips of the game in Lubbock with when Texas came to town and, you know, the the students camped out for four days in a row. They berated the entrance once Texas' bus drove in that night. That was a whole scene in town. And I actually drove by and saw the tents for a little bit just because of the madness that it was. it was definitely a moment that a lot of those kids are going to remember. And then Chris Beard's going to remember too, especially, you know, being bounced early in this tournament. Um, his first year at Texas, his alma mater, obviously he wanted to get farther because, you know, he's done that type of success with Tech. And now uh, Tech kind of bounces back from him leaving them and they make it farther in the tournament. But Tech's a better team than Texas. It's not, there's no doubt about it. They've shown that throughout this season. But nonetheless kind of cool for the city it's a good buzz it's going around here so i'm rooting for the red raiders man see how far they get but it's going to be fun to keep watching the tournament games start again tomorrow Uh, i don't know what time the first game is but i'm sure it's going to be in the middle of the day i just know that texas or uh yeah the texas tech game is going to be at like 8 40 and then i think the there's still a game after that yeah, 8.40 p.m. Central Time, Tech against Duke. Tech is still a one-point one point favorite. The first game will be on CBS at 6.10, Gonzaga, Arkansas, and then 6.30, Michigan, Villanova, and then Tech, Duke, and then Houston and Arizona facing off at 9 o'clock on TBS, the final game of the night. So a lot of cool action. Always stay tuned throughout March and then into April for the end of this tournament. Uh, and then 
couple other things to round out today's episode. The number one women's play, tennis player in the world to this day, Ash, Ashley Barty out of um, Australia, just coming off of an Australian Open victory, her third Grand Slam win at the tender age of 25 years old, has announced her retirement from the sport. Sent shockwaves throughout the tennis industry uh, just a few days ago when she officially retired. Uh, at the, I mean, when you say retire, go out on top, she literally did <laughs> just coming off of a major victory and still holding the number one ranking in the world. So Max, I know you're a tennis guy, uh, you follow it every single day, all day. So what's your results and I know, or what's your, uh, input? And I know you're a really big fan of Ash Barty. Yeah, this, this hit home a little bit for me. Um, I don't watch a ton of women's tennis, but when I do, without a doubt, Ash Barty's my favorite player. Um, she's been for a couple years now, ever since she kind of hit the scene. Um, not a bandwagon or anything, but she's just her. Like she has a different style of game that you don't see very often in women's tennis. And um, the person she is off the court and on the court, just um, super fun, playful, um, respectful. Um, you know, just a really good role model. Um, for all people in the game of tennis and then um, just her success like I don't know if you knew this Nathan but um, a couple years into her tennis career professionally she actually took a year off and went and played professional cricket Um, so I think that's really impressive and then to be able to come back and within three years be number one in the world winning three grand slams Um, and I mean it's Without a doubt, I mean, it's a great way to go out. Um, but I wish she wasn't so we could get more of her game and then s- to see, like, really where she could have gone. Because I do believe that she were to win at least a couple more slams and probably go down as a, one of the best women of all time. I'm not going to put any standards. Yeah, I mean, it's high standards but. when you got Serena with 20, but... Yeah, at twenty five, you're definitely on your way. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think she would get that far. Obviously, um, she could maybe get to ten, just because of how dominant she had been playing. And like, you know, she was in a Grand Slam, like the highest level of tennis you can probably get. And first couple rounds, she's winning like six two, six one, and stuff like that, which is just pure domination. To yeah, her I don't peers, even think so. I don't think she dropped a set in the Aussie Open this year. No, she didn't. So, and, yeah. Just... Um, to, I mean, to even go on, she's a Grand Slam champion in doubles as well. Um, she won the U.S. Open, I think, in 2018 or so. So, just a super talented person and um, definitely a loss. But, you know, I know that she's going to do great things and whatever she does. But, yeah, definitely wish I could watch her play a little more. It is interesting to... Uh... I mean, I wonder kind of what all went into the decision. I know we don't know all the complete story, I don't think, but definitely probably some mental health issues. I know that was the reason for her first retirement. It was, you know, she started playing. She hit the tour when she was still a teenager, 
and still had all this success. And, you know, it's kind of like what we've seen with Naomi Osaka in the last couple of years, all this success and fandom and superstardom kind of just jumps at you at once. And for a teenager to kind of go through that at the biggest stage of their sport worldwide is got to be really tough. But uh, that was probably, I think that was what went into her first decision when she was younger to step away for a little bit and, you know, pursue another hobby. But then jumping back into it, she didn't skip a beat. Skip a beat when it comes to you know success and her domination of the sport, like you mentioned. But definitely, probably uh, another aspect uh, this go around is the the mental toll that the the tour took on her. And then maybe she maybe she's been thinking about this for a while. And the Aussie Open was her last check mark on the list, and she wanted to you know get the home the home slam and then hang it up. But at 25, it's just, you have to scratch your head a little bit because of the, the room for continued, you know, career. Uh, you know, it's like for a lot of guys, 25 is just getting started or, you know, girls or guys. And so the fact that she had this much success this early in life, I mean, you know, in age because 10 25 is considered young for tennis, you know, men or women, uh, pretty crazy, and we haven't seen it, you know, a lot throughout history. But we have kind of seen it with Osaka, and it's something that you know she even sat out of major tournaments because of the the stress that went into just a professional lifestyle as a professional athlete. But uh, you know, she's dropped heavily in the rankings, uh, the worldwide rankings for women in the past couple of years because of that, not being, not playing much, but she's still an all world talent and, you know, who knows what she can be. She, maybe she can come up and take Barty's spot. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, she's been there before. Obviously we, we know how good Osaka can be when she's in her groove and she's in the right state of mind, but, um, I don't know. It feels like it just keeps piling up with her. Um, something new every tournament seems to happen. So um not going to really, you know, get my hopes up or anything about what's going to happen with her. But um, what I wanted to touch base on with Asgardi is a potential kind of rumor going on is that she could possibly be doping. Mm. So that's a possible, they're saying that she might be like trying to doing this as a publicity stunt to kind of take, um, I don't know, the media off of that topic if she does get caught. Right. Um, and then in a couple of years, maybe, she'll be back. So um, that's just something to think about for what possibly could be going on. So Right. Could It may not even be a, a publicity stunt, if you want to put it that way. It could just be kind of like an out. Uh, like there's a lot of conspiracies that when Michael Jordan retired uh, in like, whatever it was, 97, uh, it was, there were claims out there that he really retired because he knew he was about to get in trouble for gambling with the NBA. And so maybe it might be a situation here where, uh, Barty knows that she's been doping and, you know, or taking whatever PH, PH, PEDs. Um, and then maybe she knew that a test was coming or that, uh, a, a breakdown was coming of what she's been doing and just decided to retire, get out of it, you know, avoid the drama. So that could be, yeah, that's an interesting, interesting idea. Uh, but I feel like with the fact that she's already retired, she's kind of already been through this. She may just, you know, 
be tired of it all around. And she probably, I mean, she had as much success as you could ever want in the sport. So I don't think she's, you know, she doesn't have anything left to prove. So when it comes to now, it's just up to whether it's really is a mental state and it's a, a decision that she's ready to make or if she is hiding something. That is interesting, though. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, obviously we as just kind of the outcasts don't know anything really what's going on. So um, if they do release more or um, the truth gets told, that would be pretty cool to see what's going on and then, um, you know, be able to evaluate the situation from there. But yeah, that's we're just coming off of the Indian Wells tournament, uh, so that the headline, the Barty headline, kind of overshadowed how that finished. But Taylor Fritz, the number one ranked American tennis player in the world, uh, took the victory in Indian Wells, defeating Rafael Nadal. Talk about that matchup. Yeah, um, it's pretty interesting because both of them had had pretty tough tournament so far as like going in matches previously to the. Finals and neither of them by any means were 100% physically. Nadal was dealing with a like chest, shoulderish issue, and Fritz actually played on a really bad rolled ankle. So it was interesting to see those two dudes battle. And in the Indian Wells conditions this year, the wind was horrible. Um, everything was kind of going on. So it was um, a really good matchup and really glad that Fritz got the win. Um, because it's his home tournament, he always like dreamt of winning it and everything. But also, kind of sad that Nadal lost because he was on a historical run, mm-hmm. having won twenty matches in a row to start the year, going undefeated. Um, this would that would have been his fourth title in a row, twenty-one straight victories. I mean, that would have been really cool to see. But obviously, you know, it's going to come to an end at some point, and. Now, um, Nadal just announced a couple of days ago that he's actually going to be taking the next three to four weeks off, I think, with an injury. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but, um, you know, he's just going to get ready for the for the French Open to defend his title there. Yeah, or I was about to say. Not, that's not, the... defend his, not defend his title, but get another title. Oh, yeah, defend his reign as the king of clay, that you exactly. know, he's become to known be known for. He's got the most French Open titles of anybody by far, and is up there with the, the most the most Grand Slam right. Titles, yeah, most tied with the most Grand Slam titles of anybody. No, he, so. he has the lead. Oh, because he won the Aussie this year. Yeah, the Aussie oh, Open okay. put him one ahead Federer and Djokovic. Yeah, that's right. And because it should have been Djokovic because he wasn't allowed in the country, but blah, blah, blah. Correct, yeah. We won't get into that. But nonetheless, uh, Rafa still reigning supreme as one of the best in the game, best of all time as well. Uh, that timetable for uh, his rest and recovery is really going to kind of run into his French Open prep on the calendar. So that's going to be interesting to see how quick yeah. he comes back or whatever he decides um, to do. Yeah, I mean, we obviously don't know like what exactly – I feel like he'll still be training and getting ready, um, just dealing with injury. Obviously, you know, Rob is one of the hardest working dudes out there, so he's definitely not going to just take take three to four weeks off just to like rest. You know, he's still going to be training and working hard. So, um, I expect nothing less than almost perfection from him at the French Open. I mean, you got to just at this point expect that type of stuff with a guy like that. So. 
I really am pulling for him, and I want him to get that 22nd Grand Slam. It is. It would be cool to see him with Fed too, but kind of Fed's kind of on his way out physically yeah, I'm not sure. for sure. Really, I don't. I hate to say it, but I don't feel like Fed's really going to get back to the level that we all want him to be at, or we know he can be. Um, at this point, he's just kind of having fun with it. I feel like he's just going to play tournaments that he he wants to or that he can, and then um, he'll hang it up pretty soon. But um, still. Amazing career, to say the least. Seen a lot of retirements in this episode. You know, see Tom Brady considering it, but then coming back after he realized that he don't want to be with family for too long. You know, he's like, I need to be on back on these road trips. We got Coach K retiring, man. Hopefully, he can get knocked out for a national title this year. And then you know, we got Fed retiring. We got Ash Barty retiring, man. It's a lot of. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Everything's of, going on. It's just some March Madness, am I right? Hey, I'm telling you. We got people going to new places. People just stop playing their sport. And we got we got peacocks running around dominating <laughs> wildcats and stuff like that. It's a lot of crazy stuff, man. But hey Max, really appreciate you being on the episode today. I hope you had a lot of fun. It's a good to run down this month. Uh and look for more things to come this week and throughout. For sure, yeah. Um a ton to unpack today, so really glad we were able to do this and then um Anytime, just give me a call and I'll, I'll be ready to talk. For sure, man. The clock just struck midnight here in the podcast studio. Late night grind. Yeah. Always in here, you know. Max, you need to get yeah. to bed. You can just pass your yeah, bedtime. Got, got 7.30 a.m. practice, so got to get some Z's. We, we leave at 12. 12, uh, 12 hours from now, we'll be on the road for San Marcos. So. All right. Good Exciting stuff weekend, ahead. Man. Appreciate you. Best Appreciate you. you. And uh, stay healthy. All right, man. You too. And thank you guys for listening. It's a really fun episode. Uh, Stay tuned for more updates on the social media pages uh, at The Carcino Show on Instagram and Twitter. And then uh, we'll keep you updated for the next episode.